This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Pitkin, and we are here with a brand new guest as well as a returning guest. We're going to have a couple different guests today in honor of National Mentoring Month. Uh, I'm excited about this one. And we're going to start with Donna Dunlap, CEO of Big Brother Big Sisters Central Carolinas. That's correct. Central yes. Carolinas. Yes. Um, how's it going, Donna? It's great. How are you? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm doing well. Um, and we also have our return guest here, Keith Cradle, founder of Camping with Cradle. How's it going, Keith? It's going, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's just sort of uh, we were just talking in in passing on before we got on the mics about the fact that. I'm not sure exactly when you were last on here, but it was like... It's probably been about two years Yeah, um, when I was still over with the, at the sheriff's office. Right. We, we were talking that, yeah. juvenile justice, yeah, and I definitely want to get... Uh, I would definitely want to talk about how that sort of led to your, to your... I wouldn't call it new project, but your the project that you work on with Camping with Cradle. Sure. But um, let's start with you, Donna, and yes. just sort of how you got to where you are. Um, you, I've read a little bit of your bio that you became a big sister. Tell me a little bit about that, when that started, or, or even your family involved before then. Tell me a little bit about your family involvement in Big Brother, Big Sister, and, and sort of sure. an, what it is for those who don't know. Well, that. both both my parents were educators. They were teachers mm-hmm. and um, always helped youth who were considered at risk that were struggling and always was engaged. And my mother was a big sister. And uh, my path was more down the corporate world. And um, when this opportunity came along the way, I was like, this is perfect. My mom was a big sister. I was a single mom that uh, fostered a little boy and then later adopted him. And um, I said, this is the right fit. And Mm -hmm. what Big Brothers Big Sisters does is that we focus on creating and supporting one-to-one mentoring relationships. We were founded by a court clerk who was trying to help young people, men at the time, young boys, stay out of the juvenile justice system. Mm -hmm. Later partnered with an organization that supports girls in a similar way. And we really focus on helping children graduate from school on time, avoid the juvenile justice system, and be enabled with the tools and resources to break the cycle of generational poverty. Right. And that reminds me, uh, when you talk about the founding, you guys just a month or two ago mm-hmm. celebrated 50 years, correct? Yes. yes, last year was our 50th anniversary. And is that Central Carolinas or all of Big Brother, Big Sister? Central Carolinas. Oh, okay. Nationally, we're over 115 years old. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, so I've mentioned it on here um, plenty, I'm sure, but I have I've mentored a... a a little man through Big Brother, Big Sister for about, I want to say, I was just thinking on the way over here, it must be close to eight years now, because I think he was either six or seven, he's 14 now. Well, thank um, you for your service, we really absolutely. appreciate it. The, the reason I had you on here was so that I could pat myself on the back for <laughs> There you that. go, uh, <laughs> major pat. <laughs> no, uh, You're making a difference. It really has, that. no, it is, it's one of those cliches um, about, you know, it's not just me changing his life, but he has absolutely 100% changed mine, the experience in general has changed mine. Very close to his his entire family. Um, just got off a phone call earlier today about him falling behind in school again and having stay to stay on him. Stay on him. But um, it's just tell me a little bit about before you ever thought about um, working in the in the leadership role that you're in now. But just what your experience was like jumping into that. Well, I worked for Xerox for the majority of my career mm-hmm. in regional national um, roles. Actually 
did disaster recovery for 9-11 in New York City. Mm. So I always had that burn to do more. I was on a lot of different boards. I worked for Microsoft, and I just enjoyed my board service, and I always had that that ache, if you will, to find my passion and purpose in life before life was over. And I think, you know, when 9-11 happened, that kind of was that jolt in terms of figure that out. Mm. I was born in Charlotte. And so when my dad passed, I happened to come back uh, this way to to look in and take care of my mom. And it just, I was on a board and and a headhunter said to me, would you do a nonprofit C-level job? And I said, for the right one. Mm -hmm. And they approached me with Big Brothers Big Sisters to be the CEO. And here I am. Best right. job ever. Seven years Seven years later. Love right. it. I love it. And you said both your parents are educators. Yes. Um, uh, it seems like there's just social service runs in your blood just mm-hmm. in terms of from fostering and adopting and mentoring yeah. and um, helping, obviously. With the, were you in, living in New York at that time? I was living in... Westchester County oh, in, White, okay. in White Plains, right. New York. So it's so it a, looks like you guys hour, had a conversation hour, before an, I got an here. An hour train ride. And so uh-huh. it, so uh, usually most people, if they don't live in the city, live around the city, New Jersey or Long mm-hmm. Island and or Westchester County. Right. So I would commute in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Keith, you were last time we talked to you, you were working in the juvenile justice system. Not just, you know, you were doing a lot of uh, sort of that mentorship role and bringing that into McFadden's department in terms of, helping with programming that is going to, you know, not just make kids statistics, but help them get out uh, mm-hmm. and, and thrive, flourish. Um, and now, since then, tell me, well, before we get into what drove you to, to create Camping with Cradle, tell me a little bit about what it was and, and what made you found uh, launch it. So as you said, you know, I, I left, um, you know, the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office back in March um, after 14 years um, serving under three sheriffs and working as director, you know, of youth and juvenile programming for Mecklenburg County. So I had, a, you know, a ton of experience working with kids who were inside of our system, making sure we gave them every opportunity not to recidivate or come back. Um, left in March, ended up working now for Blue Cross Blue Shield, Healthy Blue, um, foster care children initiative. So I definitely want to talk mm-hmm. to you after this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, now, you know, the work still continues just in a different capacity. But the outdoor experience was always something I did coming from New York, um, you know, going backpacking, hiking, and then just continue to have that follow me here in Charlotte. Um, you know, it was just an opportunity, particularly, you know, through COVID, where, you know, a lot of things were shut down, closed, but the outdoor spaces still existed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, through my own social media, um, you know, people were seeing that I was going hiking and camping and that I just had, you know, friends of mine, you know, reach out and say, hey, listen, would you take me camping or would you take a friend of mine? Uh, they have a son or a daughter who's never been camping before. Would you be interested in doing that? And at first I was like, mm, no. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't want to be responsible for a 13-year-old mm-hmm. jumping off a cliff somewhere. You know? Bro, I'm telling and, you. Um, first- but, you know, you, you, you say no enough times, but the calling, mm-hmm. you know, it just keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And finally, I said, you know what? Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you submit the paperwork. We got the 501c3. Um, and we just started taking kids out just really organically. You know, it started with a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people would just email me or, you know, DM me and say, hey, listen, you know, you got a free weekend. And I'd be like, sure. And then, you know, donations just started coming in. And it was one of those things, you know, you just want to scope and scale, you know, in a way that it works for me, because I'm the one that's taking everybody out. Absolutely. But we just had a great time, and we just realized it was a it was just a gap there where while you have bigger organizations that are doing outdoor-based activities, this was just an opportunity to grab that small amount of kids who probably weren't involved in those activities, mm-hmm. or for parents who didn't feel comfortable having their kids in those in those places. I, you know, and I've told the story before mm-hmm. that while North Carolina's got a great state park system. A lot of the best parks are usually two to three hours away, mm-hmm. and, and if you've been around North Carolina, 
it can get pretty rural. You know, you know, we love to talk about Charlotte, Raleigh, Greensboro, but if you start going further out, you know, it could be you know a little bit intimidating, mm-hmm. um, particularly for Black folk. And and if you're starting to see you know Trump 2024 signs right. and Confederate flags, it may not be an inviting place for you to want to spend the night, um, particularly in the dark. And mm-hmm. we think historically about sundown towns. So all that stuff is baked into you know, how, why people may or may not do something, mm-hmm. even for black folk when it comes to swimming. And I, so, I mean, you have all that stuff in there. So it was just an opportunity, to, you know, to nurture, get folk comfortable and do it at a pace where we felt that at least, you know, if we're opening this door, um, how can we continue to be sustainable for them to do this long term? Right, absolutely. And something you mentioned there at the top uh, is something I, I definitely respect for what you guys do, just for the fact that the first time I brought Kay, not even camping, but to uh, Grandfather Mountain and the Swinging Bridge, the Swinging Bridge is something I've done since a kid. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. But just when we got on the other side, um, I was just talking to my parents about this the other day where karma sort of caught up to me because I was always the kid who wanted to climb onto the parts where you're not supposed to yeah. or go up any, any little crevice or whatnot. And I'm there with him just like wanting to grab the back of his hoodie and not let go of it because it's stressful. It could be. I mean, how how do you make sure to uh, to to really hammer it home before going on the trails that I need my eyes on y'all all the time and this is not even, this can turn into something more than, it's not a joke, you know? Oh, for sure. So, you know, before we go out, um, you know, we always do um, like a demo day. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have, you know, we'll have the kids in a particular location. So you first got to teach them how to, you know, pitch a tent, you know, what their pack is for, you know, all the gear check and you go through all of that. And then from there, you're having a conversation, um, you know, and, and again, if, if you have children, teenagers, you know, it goes in this ear right. and it goes right out <laughs> that one. But, you know, they do understand, you know, when, it, when you're talking about danger, um, particularly for a place that they've never been. And, as you know, depending on how high, how high you're hiking up, you'll start to see the signs and you recognize that, you know, if there aren't any markers, you know, off, on or off the trail that say don't go, you're telling them that. And, and you do trust the fact that, you know, they are smart enough, they right. are intelligent, and they don't mm-hmm. want to die either. Right. You know, they're, they're trying not, you know, I think they're mm-hmm. more concerned about spiders, snakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell you, the craziest thing, the cliffs are not your problem, mm-hmm. you know, after a while. It's really nature that they're, you know, you're talking about kids who grow up in the city and they're tough as the nails for anything they say. Oh, you mm-hmm. know, nothing's going to get to me. You let a cricket get start, you know, doing yeah. its thing at 10 p.m. And, mm-hmm. and all these kids just start, you're like, what in the, where's that tough kid from 5 p.m.? Right. He's gone. And so, you know, they, they understand that. And you just have that conversation. But ultimately, they want to go home, you know, mm-hmm. in the same, in one piece as well. So right. It's not that hard. Yeah, I remember one of my favorite memories um, from early on was going to Crowder's Mountain, just, you know, a little day trip um, and climbing up there. And, um, you know, we most of us have been to Crowder's. It's one of the more simple uh, things that nearby things mm-hmm. that folks from Charlotte do. Mm-hmm. But we get up and we, it's a clear day so you can see the skyline and I'm showing him the skyline and he gets, it, this is when he was much younger, obviously. I'm not, uh, not, he would, he would fathom this a lot better now, but he's just like, how is that Charlotte? Then where are we? And I, I was like, we're in, you know, Kings Mountain, whatever, or, um, what is it? Kramerton? I don't know. Whatever yeah. the town is. But, um, it's all, it's all like Kramerton, yeah. Kings, you know, um, 30 miles too. It's great. And then he's just like. Well then, how did we get here? And I was like, "Do you remember the the forty five minutes we just drove?" He was just like blowing his mind that we could see that far to, to that Charlotte was that far away, yeah. and just because he'd never been in, he'd never been hiking before, never been that high, and that's one of my favorite things was just the new experiences of it all. Um, 
so Donna, tell yeah. me a little bit about how this is uh, this experience and sort of being in a leadership role has has been different for you as compared to you know he's at the grassroots level, so he's right. both in leadership and experiencing the on the ground, quite literally on the ground activities, mm -hmm. but. When you take a leadership role like that, do you, do you have to remind yourself uh, back to you know the actual one-on-one -on -one mentoring? Do you ever feel like you lose touch with that, or is it still a very much a part of your job? No, I'm I'm very close and involved with everything. Mm -hmm. um, I, I insist on being a big sister. My my little sister moved away, but but I and I get involved, and I want because I want the children to see someone that looks like them. The majority of the children we serve are children of color, and so I, I try to get very engaged when they have activities and come in and speak to them, and and really want them to understand that hey, yes, I may manage this organization, but but I'm here to make sure that you get the right support that you need, and and I want to commend you for the work that you're doing because a lot of uh, young people who may be of color living poverty. Options like scouting is just too complex or too expensive, but those are experiences that build confidence, that help uh, young boys and young girls, whether it's Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or some other type of group, to, to really have those experiences that help prepare them for college and for life. And so having that opportunity in an environment and it's structured in a way that they're comfortable, I mean, I commend you. We may have opportunities to partner yes, so, so and collaborate uh, to help, help some of our kids because – we try to do it through scouting, and it's just it's just so hard for parents who all they're focusing on is just how do I survive? How do I pay the bills? I don't have I don't have the capacity, especially as a single parent. That's mostly who we support. Mm -hmm. How does that? How do I take time to take my child to scouting? But mm -hmm. but to have a child go with someone that they trust mm -hmm. and and have those experiences that just build confidence and help them overcome their fears of crickets. Right, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just wonderful. <laughs> it's just it's just a wonderful Definitely. experience. It changes their lives. Mm -hmm. But uh, going back to your original question. Um, I'm, I don't. I don't manage from behind the desk. Mm -hmm. I like to manage out in front. And yes, I'm accountable to all those other processes that that a leader has to to be engaged in and making sure everything's managed appropriately financially. But um, I just love seeing the kids and watching them grow over time and, right. and navigate through life and seeing how bigs like you and mm -hmm. others just have that unexpected impact. Um, of building confidence and then the whole cultural experience that a lot of our bigs have. Right, it yeah. creates greater empathy. It's just a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. And how many ki children do do you all serve, say, annually? So annually we're about at 1,000 children. The wow. pandemic has mm -hmm. taken its toll in terms of just some children just backing out of it or even bigs moving. But we're really in a rebuild state right now, so we're trying to um, reach more children because of their challenges academically because of COVID and because of some of some of the social and emotional challenges. They need they need someone else in their life that can really focus on them and give them those experiences that are going to help them overcome and navigate mm -hmm. through that. And I did want to sort of talk about that because it feels like, uh, just in my experience, and now I'm I'm not technically, um, we're not technically through Big Brother anymore because mm -hmm. he moved away as well, and then he yeah. came back, uh, fortunately. Um, the weather up north was too much for the family, and they said, <laughs> you know cold. what? <laughs> they said, Wisconsin is not for us. We are going to be back in Charlotte. It's just in my experience, I still consider myself a mentor, and that's where I sort of learned to be a mentor mm -hmm. through Big Brother, Big Sister, and things. Uh, but in my experience, you know, they, I've seen all sides of it in terms of what COVID, the the effects that it's had. I mean, regardless of where you are and mm -hmm. in the, all the endless debate over whether we should have or shouldn't have been in schools or this protective than that, it's it's inarguable that regardless of what happened, kids fell behind in a major way. I mean, have you guys? How have you guys been seeing that manifest itself through your own? You know, you're sort of once one removed. 
as well, the, mentors, but how have you seen that play out? They, they were already behind our, mm-hmm. the children we serve right, academically, right. so now they're further behind. So mm-hmm. we're having to find opportunities for uh, tutoring resources and extra help uh, academically and supporting them that way. And then the whole somo- social-emotional component, just dealing with depression, anxiety. Um, some children are even being a little bit more aggressive because they were out of school mm-hmm. and not and not socializing. So it's been a, it's been... It's been a challenge, but we're now meeting in person. We have for the last year, and that's helping so that we can get back on a cadence of providing the support that's needed and using our partners mm-hmm. and their resources to help our young people. Right. But I th- you're right, it's he- affecting all children. Right. All and children. And this might be something that um, either of you have heard of uh, or experienced in your lines of work, but uh, we ran we re-ran a story from, I believe it was Education NC or NC Health News about the massive rates of caregiver death in COVID-19, where I think mostly it was uh, grandparents who were primary caregivers who passed away um, and and other sorts of caregivers. I mean, is that something that you've seen really play out? Well, we had most of our parents or guardians were essential workers. So they're Mm. the first ones that were out there that, that, that allowed us to, you know, have our lives while they're going to work. So, we had young people actually going to work with their parents when they really shouldn't have been in that environment. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what COVID was or how it could affect. But yes, we, we've had some losses and of family members, and they've had to try to find other ways to adapt. Right. Yeah. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, stay home except to get medical care. Monitor your symptoms. If your symptoms get worse, contact your doctor. Get rest and stay hydrated. Avoid public transportation, ride-sharing, or taxis. And take these six steps to protect others. Wear a mask over your mouth and nose if you must be around other people. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when you cough or sneeze. Clean your hands often with soap and water or use hand sanitizer, especially after coughing or sneezing. As much as possible, Stay in a separate room and away from others in your home. Avoid sharing personal household items such as dishes, utensils, towels, or bedding. Wash these items thoroughly after using them. And clean all surfaces that are touched often, like counters and doorknobs, every day. To learn more, visit cdc.gov. And Keith, what, how, how much do you all get... Um, uh, I don't want to say involved, but just how much do you know about a kid who enrolls in your camping with cradle experience coming in, or is it just sort of a conversation as you're going through the process through a weekend or camping trip? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got familiarity with the parents, then you've probably mm-hmm. you know seen the child, been around the child. But if it's a new um, a new family or even organization, you know we've partnered with other organizations before. You're taking the kids out. A lot of the information is transferred, you know, through their mentors or their volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, any conversation, like I said, if you know children, you, you talk to them long enough. You know, they start off as clams, but then they start mm-hmm. opening up, and then <laughs> sometimes you wish you didn't. Have right. To. But I mean, you know, it, I think it's all to the good because you know, if if a child finds someone that that they're comfortable with. Um, you know, that can change the trajectory, you know, not mm-hmm. only of that conversation, but of where they can go or where they would want to go next. Mm-hmm. So it's just really about being personable. Um, and we understand, you know, that every kid, you know, every kid is different. Um, and even as we've taken kids out, we've had kids who just feel like, man, this is too much. 
Um, and no matter how much you want to talk to me, I really just want to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and you, under, you recognize that and then you affirm that and you, you call that parent and say, hey, um, we're going to need you to yeah. <laughs> get this child. Right. I mean, it, and it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. nothing wrong with not yeah. wanting to spend the night, mm-hmm. you know, out, and we've had kids like that. It was their first, 90%, 90% of the kids we take out, this their first time mm-hmm. going, not, e- not only just hiking, but you're talking about camping. So mm-hmm. we're talking about you're going to spend the night out, um, you know, and, and it, it's been hours. And if you know, you know, I tell kids all the time, and particularly parents, that, you know, a lot of us know, you know, we think you know the dark. But, you know, when you, when you think about living in your neighborhood, there's always auditory sounds. There's always, there's always some level of light from the, from the lamppost, from a car, whatever that is. But when you, get, you hike out five to six miles, and the only light after about 9 o'clock, you know, and particularly, in the, you know, when the sun goes down in the summer about 9, you know, in the winter, 4.35, it's going to be pitch black. Mm-hmm. And if you're not used to that, it can be, a, it can be somewhat intimidating, it can be scary. And for kids that have never slept outside, you know, it, it's like, okay, can I do this? And, and if you feel like they're, they really haven't made the adjustment and they let you know, which is, again, a level of trust. They're telling you, hey, I'm not doing so hot. Then you, you start to make the call and right. say, you know what? All right, let's get you back yeah. and let's get you home. Mm-hmm. And I think something you mentioned there at the beginning uh, really touches on the root or the importance of this whole conversation and the whole experience of mentorship, which is, you know, just talking to kids and having conversations with them. And and I wanted to get both of your thoughts on this because it was something that I struggled with at the beginning heavily, which was putting pressure on myself. And, I, and I'm interested in uh, input for folks who might be listening who are either interested in maybe getting involved with, um, with volunteering slash mentoring or maybe have tried and, and weren't didn't think they were good at it. But I was sort of putting pressure on myself at the beginning as to, you know, seeing behavioral or hearing about behavioral problems um, because it's funny to me that even throughout the seven years, he's always been great in front of me um, to where, like, if I go and speak to his teachers or his administrators, they're like, I can't believe how he's acting right now with you in the room because <laughs> we've never seen him like this. So then it's almost hard for me to put a uh, to experience what they're talking about when there is problems. But what I was doing, putting pressure on myself in terms of, like, what am I supposed to say to, to mm-hmm. you know, I, you're not you're not a disciplinarian as a mentor necessarily, so what am I supposed to say uh, to get him on the right track? And it took me almost probably over two years to really understand that, at least in my opinion, I may be wrong, that it's really just about spending time and let him know that someone's there uh, in the first place. To um, and that that makes difference in knowing that someone, you know, gives a damn. Yeah. It's, it's, it's listen mm-hmm. and don't judge mm-hmm. and offer advice. And that's very different from any family member, parent, or guardian that might be in, in their household. Uh, I, I think I have, one of the best examples I have is this young man who went to his big brother, and he said, my mom and brothers need money. I'm going to sell drugs. And just kind of like giving him a heads up because that right. was his big brother. And the big brother said, and I have to give him a lot of credit, he said, you could do that and more, you'll more than likely end up in jail or you'll end up dead. Mm-hmm. Or you can invest in yourself, and I can help you do that. Mm-hmm. And that young man made that choice and went to college and later went to law school and is now a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so just that listening, not judging, and, and guiding is so powerful. And then we, part of our um, programs that we have degreed caseworkers that, that coach and guide are our, our bigs 
because a lot of them are not parents. So mm-hmm. we, we try to coach and guide them and have something called ages and stages because what happens to an elementary school child is different from middle school and high school. And so we want to be able to coach and help help that volunteer guide um, the young person. But just know that you just have to listen. You don't have to have the answers. They just want to be heard a lot of times. And just, right. what you know, what do you think about this? And, you know, if I did that, what, what might happen? Mm-hmm. And so that that's how we uh, coach our bigs. Hopefully we coached you properly. Yeah. And that, Absolutely. Did we, yeah. did, we, did we? Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll say this, and, I, and I've heard this from, from Michael Duvall, who I, you know, I have the utmost respect for. He always says you, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. Mm-hmm. And, and that presence of, of, of you gives, again, all the things that those kids need. Um, you take your time out, you know, and, and don't ever put too much on yourself. You also have to know your limits. We, we talk about you know, provider, volunteer burnout, you know, that attrition that happens because people are putting too much on themselves mm-hmm. and recognizing that you know, self-care is one of those things that you have to do. Um, and, and, and that's why, for me, it was hard to want to take other folk camping because camping was my self-care. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was like, you know what, other people need that too. And so you know, they're also, you know, I, I recognize that if I'm feeling run down, starting to feel a little burned out, then you got to take a step back. And that's okay. But more importantly, that I never have to be perfect in my relationships, you know, with those young persons. And, and I knew that, you know, when I worked at the detention center, I know that now working for Healthy Blue, I know that when I do that for Camping with Cradle, I do that with my nieces. You know, it's about the time spent. Mm-hmm. And whether, you know, just reading a book or, you know, listening to their favorite song or whatever it is, the presence of mine is what mm-hmm. they're going to remember the most, mm-hmm. that you were there and not so much what, right. what we did. I know you're on a little winter hiatus right now before getting back up in the spring, but do you do you still take the personal trips during these hiatus hiatuses? Oh, I, I wish I listen, I was supposed to go Saturday, um, mm. but I gotta, <laughs> gotta go for a work trip. Oh. But um yeah, we you know, I'll I'll go camping year round. Right. You know, um but, you know, don't let my girlfriend hear that because right. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, for me it is a, is a self-care mechanism. It's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to disconnect. You know, typically your phone's not going to have the service that you mm-hmm. traditionally have. Um, but just connecting with nature, being right. grounded, again, hearing those sounds. Um, you know, it's, it's great exercise. It's therapeutic. I mean, it's all nature. It's just baked in. There's a lot of things that are just baked in there. Yeah that I think we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and, for, and people, if they haven't had those experiences, then I highly suggest, you, yeah. know, you know, take a walk. Just go, get outside your own neighborhood and just Definitely. take a walk. It's funny, Justin and I were just having this conversation. Uh, my sometimes co-host, um, he has the same sort of self-care, just get out, and he wants to get off the grid, but we were just having the conversation of that cell phone service has gotten too good lately and like he can't he can't find a spot um where he can't find a spot where it shuts off so like this last time he just turned it off and didn't look at it um but i mean where where are some of your favorite spots because um i i see you on facebook tagging certain spots that that are almost act like a guide to me i went to i think it's what's it called uh, south mountains south mountains that's one of my favorite spots and it was just a day hike that i did but you've been there a couple times i believe so south mountains i tell i tell people all the time if you're looking for probably one of the most um, varied experiences for camping and hiking south mountains has you covered whether it's a short trek it's a you know six miler they've got waterfalls they've got gorges um, you know, you can you can find it all at mm-hmm. South Mountains, and that's only about an hour and forty minutes, you know, right. from Charlotte. No, yeah, it's, it's not easy bad. drive, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but that again, I, I think you know some of the best parks are a little further away. Mm-hmm. I think you know, um, Gorgeous State Park is amazing. 
Um, I love going, you know, up to, um, you know, there's some great parks in, in, in Pisgah and in Nash in National Forest. I mean, we got a national forest right on the edge, mm -hmm. um, not in Hala. I mean, so you can find them. I tell right. people, you know, it's just about how far do you want to drive. Mm -hmm. or, or you, and, and that's why, you know, we primarily exist also to give folk that access. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that sometimes parents may not have the vehicle. They may have the access to get there. So here's an opportunity that we're offering that. And again, it's no cost to any child, any parent. You know, mm -hmm. we got it covered. We got all the gear. We take care of everything for them. And so we try to eliminate those barriers when you think about being, you know, the opportunity to participate. A lot of times we talk about barriers and, and cost and anything else. And so we try to eliminate that so that right. you can enjoy it and just, right. just show up and enjoy it. I know that's a big part of what you guys help with is, is giving access to experiences. Right. Um, that was... Um, big part of before he had moved and come back, I was getting the invites to, you know, certain Blumenthal things. And mm -hmm. what are some of the other experiences you guys have the day at the lake is the big right. annual one every year. Right. Uh, what are some experiences that you've tried to push forward and, and introduce that, that, you know, help with that sort of, uh, well, we uh, want to get the opportunity to be exposed to the culture and to the arts, mm, because right. a lot of that is missing in the schools right now. So, um, and then you mentioned Big Day at the Lake, and that's where Lake Norman Community for a year, plans for a year uh, this big picnic where they have boat hosts take the big and the little out on the boat. Many of them never seen a lake, been on like similar. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Seen a lake, mm -hmm. been on a lake. Never mind, been in the water on a tube, and they have a blast. They overcome all their fears, anxieties, and then they have a big picnic afterwards. And that's something they've done for the last. This will be the 19th year that they've mm -hmm. done that. The community has done it for our children. We had 80 children out there, and they're. Um, and their big brother, big sister with them this past time. But we do just a lot of cultural exposure, sporting events. Just going to a sporting event can be something that builds confidence in a young person and having that opportunity to have that exchange. Um, but um, we also do art class. I mean, we did a lot of virtual classes. Um, we also have done things where we teach young men how to tie a tie, change tires, proper proper dining etiquette when you're not using your food, food hands for your food. Right. And so we just pr try to provide as many life experiences that help build their confidence as possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just her say that just reminded me of your first time on here when you were just in the middle of an important speech and Justin takes the bottle. Drank out of the bottle. Just drank out of the bottle. And Keith said, can we stop this podcast yeah. right now? And <laughs> tell you me what you etiquette. just did. That's an etiquette training. <laughs> etiquette training. Yes, we do that. He's <laughs> a big brother. Yes. Um, so um, what do you guys, is, uh, this is the cliche January question, um, but what do, you, what do you guys have planned for 2023 that, that might be new? I'm coming. I'm coming with you in, yeah, in the spring. I got you. I got you uh, me and little man are going to be be there you, for our first camping with Cradle trip. But just let me know if you guys have any have any new plans or any new things, sort of that you're looking to to accomplish in 2023. Okay. Well, what would be new for us? Normally, we serve children ages five to 18, and once they graduate from high school, they graduate from our program. And so we are um, going to be focused on college and workforce readiness, oh, nice. and we're going to serve young people up to age 21, mm -hmm. and really make sure that that cycle of genera generational poverty has been broken by having the additional support. And I, and I, and I came to the table with this because my son did not do well at college, mm -hmm. and we had to decide, okay, what is the pivot? What are you going to do, community college, military service, or get a job? And most of the families that we serve 
may not have that point of reference in terms of different options. They may say, just go to work. Mm. And so we want to be there to catch them if they fall and to be there to propel them if they need support. So that's something a new program we're going to have in place. And uh, we're working really hard to raise more money so we can serve more children because we know that need is, is doing nothing but growing out there. There are over 50,000 kids right. that fit the profile of those we serve. So just trying to reach more children, put the infrastructure into our organization. And, um, and, and then raising it up to age 21 is going to be a big deal for us. Yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, so for me, you know, outside of the, the regular scope of activities, I mean, the big thing for me is I'm going to be a new father in March. Ooh, Congratulations. Thanks. Congrats. Yeah, so. You're going to have him or her on your back. Have a her. Yeah, I got to get her, her. A, get her a, a pack and put her in it. Mm. So, I mean, you know, outside of that, you know, um, you know experience, we're doing the trips. Um, again, scoping scale appropriately, you know, we're, we're just trying to grow. This will be year three for us. Um, we've already got four trips lined up. Um, I've got a great group of volunteers and a board that is going to take up that slack while I won't be out there for the first couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're just going to keep, you know, moving that needle, um, continue to, you know, gain the exposure that we need. Um, thank you to everyone who's donated up to this point to make those trips free um, for all of our kids to go. And we'll just keep building on that, you know, for mm-hmm. 2023 and then, you know, we'll get through it. What are the best ways for people to connect with you all? Um, uh, not just Google Big Brother because they might find the national, but you know, you're right. Your That's specific organization. It needs to be Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central Carolinas, right. and and a lot of times we get referrals from our bigs. I'm so grateful for their service. So keep referring if you're out there and you're a big brother mm-hmm. or a big sister. Um, and then look for Central Carolinas, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Central Carolinas, because if you do just Google Big Brothers, Big Sisters, it will take you to the national office. Right. But you can go on, you can start an application, you can back out at any point in time. We only ask for a year commitment to be a mentor, and it is a very rewarding experience. And anyone, uh, I, anyone I've talked to will say that they've thoroughly enjoyed being a big, we call them a big. Mm-hmm. I'll always remember the uh, King of Queens episode. I don't know if y'all have ever watched that show, but there's one where he becomes a big, and... Uh, he, uh, he, him and his kid did not get along well the very first trip, and he just, uh, he just closed the door and he goes, "All right, fifty-one more weeks of that." <laughs> and I was terrified that that's what it was oh, going to no. be like, but no, I couldn't. If it, doesn't, have... if it doesn't work out, we will make changes. Right. We make adjustments. And I, so. just, I couldn't imagine after one year uh, not having done it anymore. Right. It's, yeah. it's hard to step away from. True. Where would you direct people to check out more about Camping with Cradle? Just head to the website, campingwithcradle.org, or they can um, find us on Instagram at Camping with Cradle. Mm-hmm. All the information that you need is right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in, and I really Thank appreciate you. the Thank work you. that you guys do. It's so important, and that's why uh, I really wanted to have this conversation. So thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank and you. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you guys uh, soon enough. Cross paths. But thanks. Thank you. See you guys next time. Cheers. <laughs>